Welcome to the Making Waves at Sea Level podcast with your host, Tom Singer. In each episode, we will explore the interesting stories of business executives, entrepreneurs, and industry leaders who are shaking things up and growing their companies. It is time to make some waves. Now here's your host, Tom Singer. Hey, hey, and welcome to another episode of Making Waves at Sea Level. Thank you so much for tuning in and being a part of this show. I have a really special treat for you today because today I am bringing you an episode that was recorded as part of a series of the webinar talk show. Now, you may have heard me talk about this before, but since March, I have been hosting a program with my friend Eliz Green because Eliz and I believe that webinars do not have to be long and boring and they shouldn't just be a talking head over PowerPoint. That when you can have engaging conversations with people, you can provide information, you can educate, and you can make it a lot of fun. Well, on yesterday's episode, we interviewed Mike Cianilli from NASA. That's right, the people who send other people into space. And he actually runs the program that is uh, designed to take a look at some of the things that have gone on in the past with NASA. He is the program manager for the Apollo Challenger Columbia Lessons Learned Program. That's pretty awesome because NASA has taken a lot of time to look at what they've done right, but also look at where there have been some mistakes made. And it's how they continue to grow and get better. And they take those lessons and share them with organizations and companies all over the world. So we had the opportunity to have a wonderful chat with Mike. And I knew that that interview had to come here to Making Waves at Sea Level because Mike and his people at NASA, they're making waves. So I hope you enjoy this episode. Welcome to the Webinar Talk Show. I'm Eliz Green. And I'm Tom Singer. And together we have put together this format because Eliz and I believe that webinars don't have to be long, they don't have to be boring, and they can. <laughs> they can be so much more than a talking head over PowerPoint. So we've created the webinar talk show as a way to showcase to you ways that you can get great information and still be mm -hmm. engaged and hopefully entertained. Absolutely. Oh, I'm excited about today, Tom. Oh, oh my God. I can't even believe <laughs> that we have this guest today. One of the perks of being a professional speaker is sometimes we just get to do really cool things. <laughs> yes, yes. I think we both have a long list of interesting places and companies and organizations, but you might have one of the best ones. I think I do. <laughs> right before everything kind of shut down due to COVID-19, I had the honor of speaking for NASA at Kennedy Space Center, which in and of itself, would have made it one of the coolest things I've ever done. But the day before I spoke, I got, and my husband and my manager, Kate, we all got a behind-the-scenes tour of Kennedy Space Center. Mm. That's cool. We, it's very cool, and we didn't really know what to expect, but when we pulled up to the vehicle assembly building, you know, that really tall, really big building, you know, where they put all of the rockets together and we got to go inside that, like we were all losing our minds that we get to tour that whole building, which was very, very cool. And then we're brought over to this little area 
and we just sort of hold for a while. And it's this unassuming, you know, it's very industrial in that building, this unassuming door with a lock on it, with a, it very much looks like this is someplace you don't ever get to go. And there's signs that says nobody gets to go. Authorized (laughs) personnel. Like not even authorized, like you don't get to go here. And (laughs) our guest today shows up and opens it up and it's the Columbia room. I still get goosebumps thinking about being in that room. It is, it houses the wreckage from the Columbia Space Shuttle. And it's there for a very important reason. And I wrote it down so I would get it right. Uh, Because learning the lessons from the past ensures future success. Mm. And since that time, I have carried that experience with me. And I realized that I'm extraordinarily privileged (laughs) to have had that experience. But I'm so proud that this is how our government's agency, NASA, takes care of the past. So I am so thrilled to introduce to everybody the manager of that program, Mike Cianelli. Welcome to the webinar talk show, Mike. There he is. Thank you, Liz and Tom. Thank you so much. I am so happy to be here today. It's an honor. Thank you. Thank you for for being with us. We are so honored to have you. Tell us about the program you manage. Well, first of all, as I have to say, we're so excited to meet you down at the Kennedy Space Center. Uh, one of the things that we get really excited about is, you know, we, we do what we love. Uh, we do it because the American people let us do that. So we're very honored every day to go do what they ask us to go do. Um, but often it's kind of a little frustrating from the fact that we get to kind of see some cool things, do some really neat things. But we don't often get to share that with folks. And we kind of mm-hmm. tell them about and go out and speak and travel, but it's kind of not the same as when you just can be there to experience it. So when we meet folks like yourself and, and your, the team that you brought and they actually share it and say, here it is, take a look. Um, it means a lot to us too. So thank you for taking the time to join us on that tour. Uh, oh, it was mind blowing. It really was. <laughs> um, so what we did was um, NASA's got a long history, right? So we got over 60 mm-hmm. plus years of experience uh, stretching way back into the 1950s. And a lot of that time was when things went right, right? NASA did some pretty amazing things over the last six, seven decades. Um, But there are also times when we missed the mark and we didn't do things as best we could. So so we look at a quote from Winston Winston Churchill a long time ago who said, those who fail to learn from history are doomed to repeat it. And so if you look through history, being people, right, we have a, a tendency to just kind of fall back and repeat similar mistakes. Lord knows I have over my time. So we want to say, stop, let's look at our history, really not only learn it, but really understand it. Take all of the really good things, repeat those, but the things that we could have done better, learn from those and do not repeat those mistakes. So that's the purpose of the Apollo Challenger Columbia Lessons Learned Program. Wow. So how long has the program been in existence? We've been in existence for four years now. So it kind of came out of, um, we've been showing, we've been taking care of Columbia, um, for years before that, ensuring with an internal audience uh, at the space center, and now it's uh, now it's something we can actually share with the world. So the last four years and counting. I think one of the moving parts of being in the Columbia Room is that there is such care 
taken with those pieces. And I was also surprised at how big some of those pieces were. I know that you were very involved in that recovery process. Can you tell us a little bit about your role there and the sort of care that's taken? Certainly. Um, Every time we launch a rocket and every time we have people on board the rocket, that's a very important thing for us. So, um, you know, we're excited and you see a lot of high fives and handshakes and all that. But you also don't see maybe a lot of sweaty palms. Because <laughs> um, we realize this, right? We've got our friends, our neighbors, our colleagues, uh, people we love. And we're asking them to get on top of something very powerful. It's got the equivalent power of a mm-hmm. nuclear bomb. And we're going to say, get on top of this rocket. And we're going to shoot you at 17,500 miles an hour into a little point in space. And we're going to get you there. And then we're going to get you back home to your family. So we take... Um, the excitement and thrill of that, but we also take the, the understanding and responsibility that we have to do this right. Um, so when something doesn't go right, uh, it impacts us very deeply. So uh, after we lost Columbia, it was a very emotionally difficult time uh, for a lot of us, and it still is. Um, and we, in this case, um, as Columbia was coming back to Earth, we wanted to make sure we brought Columbia home. We had to bring Columbia the vehicle home. Uh, we also wanted to bring our crew home. So we went through a, a three-month period that was a difficult time. Um, it was a very hard time, but we actually um, brought the crew home through that experience. We brought Columbia back home, uh, back to the Kennedy Space Center where she belongs, her home port. Um, and now, excitingly, um, we're looking to a brighter future because we're taking Columbia and we're actually sharing the lessons of the crew, sharing the lessons of the vehicle, and we're going to make the future brighter because of that. So that's our mission going forward. Um, but it was a challenging time of, of bringing her own. So what are some of the lessons that, that you share about what you learned from Columbia and, and some of the other tragedies? Yeah, great question, Tom. And, and what's very interesting is people often ask, you know, what, what are the lessons? What's the difficult part? How is it hard? And I said, well, you know, interestingly, um, and, you know, forgive the pun here, but actually the rocket science part is pretty easy. You know, we've got that figured out. The rocket stuff, um, you know, between Isaac Newton and Galileo and all those folks starting us out until today, you know, the chemistry, the physics, we kind of got that, kind of got that part figured. The hard part is the, the warm, squishy stuff in between. It's the people mm-hmm. part, right? It's the stuff that we learned as children that we struggle with as being people. Um, mm-hmm. For example, it's communicating effectively, right? Um, and so we share messages, for example, communication. In today's world, right, we're, we're talking live through the internet. How exciting right. has, has technology developed, right? But uh, we often caution our folks saying just because we're, we're communicating more through perhaps Twitter and Facebook and online and email, it doesn't mean we're communicating more effectively. Mm. Nothing replaces that face-to-face where we're looking at each other's eyes, we're communicating, we're watching each other's body language, we're gleaming all that extra information that comes through in communication. And we're trying to tell our folks, make sure when you're saying things, people are understanding. And you're also hearing and listening to what people are saying. Um, and I say that really specifically because in times past when we haven't done such a good job, uh, we didn't listen. You know, when, when Challenger was having issues before, the other vehicles were having issues before the Challenger uh, loss, the vehicles and the hardware were talking to us. Things were happening, and we didn't listen to the hardware as much as we should have. Um, sometimes before Columbia, we didn't listen to each other in different teams and organizations as best we could. So, uh, so we say these things that are, 
they're, in some ways, you see them as the easiest things, but honestly, in some ways, they're the hardest things to remember and to do right. Well, and I would imagine those lessons actually transfer to other organizations. And I know you have taken these lessons elsewhere. Can you tell us a little bit about what your reaction has, or their reaction has been to those lessons? Definitely. Uh, and what's exciting, too, is when I get the honor to go and speak um, to a group of folks or do it virtually or in person. Um, and it's interesting because in the beginning, um, I get a kind introduction and they talk about the space program and launching rockets and all that. And often the groups are not even dealing with space. Sometimes they're space related. Um, I just spoke mm-hmm. recently to a Nas- National Athletic Training Association for athletic trainers. So in the first few moments, I always kind of enjoy that time because you see the audience, they're looking. And they're kind of saying, okay, we're talking space stuff. How does it fit in with us? And the really amazing part, Liz, is within the first few minutes, all of a sudden you start to see the head starting to nod and the smile mm-hmm. starting to appear because we make those connections. When we talk about uh, things like normalization of deviance, right? That's a, a fancy mm-hmm. way of saying things that kind of creep into our lives or our processes or programs or a way of doing things, they creep in so slow, they become normalized. Right, so when we start seeing, for example, in Challenger, we start seeing um, problems with our O-rings. It parts with a booster system, right? We start seeing little microscopic changes to it, very, very small. We start getting conditioned to expect those changes. We, we didn't ignore those or put those and not do anything. We were looking and studying those, but we got to get normalized to expect that. The same with foam with Columbia. We start seeing foam come off a big orange pink. We start seeing different chunks come off in different places over 10, 20 years, we didn't ignore that, but we kind of came to expect that. Mm. And in cases where we saw less foam coming off, that seemed a little sometimes stranger. We'd expected more foam coming off in certain times. So again, it wasn't callousness or forget, but it was a lot of just condition. In our life, we do that, right? I mean, I, and I'll speak for myself, maybe one of you guys have done this, but um, you know, how many times have you driven down the road and you get that, I call it the, um, I guess it's called the idiot light, the caution light on your dashboard, <laughs> right? right yes. you, well, heck, I've had it where I've been driving down the road and that light goes off. And all of a sudden I start to panic going, well, that light came off. Well, that light could be on because it's been on for the last two years. Well, no, when I bought the car, that salesperson did not show me that light and, and say that it's a selling point. There was no light on the car, but I got conditioned for that light to come on. So we get so conditioned for things in our daily lives, around our homes, our houses, and our workplace um, that we get conditioned to. It's a good part of the human DNA factor that we condition. I guess it's in our DNA, right? We get used to change. We adapt to change. Um, it's a very good thing in some ways. But we also, I, I would humbly suggest, have to be careful how our, our intuitiveness to change also can be a negative thing. And we got to be mm-hmm. careful. Those little hitchhikers of negative change that kind of get on top of our shoulder right along with us and end up causing a problem down the road. So you bring up two interesting points that cross all industry lines. And that is number one, don't ignore the small things. And number two, communication. And so as we look to the lessons learned from, you know, Challenger, Columbia, et cetera, how can companies take these specifically and put them into play? How can, how can we in the outside world from NASA use what you're teaching to better our companies? Thank you, Tom. That's an excellent question because we're doing that today. Uh, we're going to companies and sharing with them. And the exciting answer, it's different for every organization and company. So we're working with medical institutions, we're working with finance organizations, 
Um, we're working with aerospace and defense and everybody in between. And so the approach is a little bit different in some ways based on what they do and how they do it. So we kind of tweak the message a bit and tweak the solutions. One of the biggest um, things that tie it all together, though, is vigilance. So we, of course, we get really good at learning um, and we get really good at doing things. Um, and, and Liz and I were talking after a health scare, perhaps, neighbor, the doctor tells you, eat, eat more um, lean meats, right? Stop right. eating perhaps other foods and, and try to be careful of your diet. Or um, perhaps if you have a bad back, you know, after that, you're going to do exercises every day. You're really vigilant doing this. But over time, we tend to kind of slack off a little bit. Right. right? Yep. Um, yeah. <laughs> I do that. Lord knows I do that all the time. So I try to remind myself to be vigilant. So we look at things and we say you know, we have a safety day or a safety uh, event. It's important to do that. But it's also important all those other days of the years. You know, 2 o'clock in the morning when you work. It's not just launch day for us. So we tell the companies, you know, be careful. It's not just maybe your product release time or certain big milestones. But it's every day of the process, even in the smallest ways, accidents can happen. Your mind can be taken off playing your A game. It doesn't take much. So really, the vigilance comes through um, the communication, communicating effectively across your organizations, uh, understanding your audience. Um, very critical, right? So um, if, if I'm talking to a briefing an astronaut before launch, or if I'm working with a group of technicians, or perhaps even the administrator of NASA, right? You're going to know your audience so well that you can communicate effectively of delivering your message to that group so they can get the most out of that. And that's incumbent upon the person sharing the information, right? So, so these are just a couple, Tom, of, of just hundreds and hundreds of messages that really transfer. It doesn't matter if you're in a firing room launching a rocket um, or if you're actually in an operating room working on a patient. Um, they're very, very similar lessons. That's really fascinating, and I know because uh, we've had the opportunity to talk a bit that you really feel strongly that paying attention to diversity in your organization makes a difference. Can you say a little bit about why? Definitely. Um, diversity is, um, is a big thing, right? So we can talk diversity. has got elements of race, gender, sexual orientation, and those elements, um, which are very, very important. There's another element of diversity which we really enshrine and, and put into a high order in NASA, and that's diversity of dissenting opinions, diversity mm -hmm. of thought. It's critical for us. Um, I'll give you two really quick ideas. Um, so, for example, as in my former uh, career as a NASA test director and helping lead the launch countdown, um, getting opinions, having a, the freeness in the firing room, in this case before launch, for finding solutions and problems was critical. And sometimes when you'd have a problem come up and you heard maybe one solution, you didn't have different thoughts, um, you're glad you had an answer, but you got a little bit more nervous. I loved when different engineers and, and folks come forward and offer different solutions, sometimes very divergent and diverse solutions. But that meant that somewhere between A and B, I'm going to find a good connection in the middle. The answer is somewhere in the middle, typically. So that diverse thoughts and that freedom for folks to say, this may sound a little offbeat or a little unusual, but I think we should hear this, entertain that. Having that freedom of expression of ideas and thoughts is critical for us to save in the day. Um, a really big example I'll give you really quick um, in practice is um, you may be familiar with the Apollo 13 story. Apollo mm -hmm. um, 13. Well. <laughs> a little bit, right? Maybe there's a, block, a couple of books written about it. Um, 
an amazing thing, what we call a successful failure. Because Apollo 13, just a really condensed reader's um, version, is we had a mission going to the moon. It was the third flight to land on the moon, and something bad happened on the way, right? So we had a very unexpected incident. Um, when we found out really quick what happened, we, didn't, we weren't sure if the astronauts were going to come home. We had troubles with oxygen and power and everything else. And what the flight directors did and the folks back then, what they did is they said, I need every idea you can possibly imagine. Find me everything that's in the capsule, and I want you to dump it on a table, and I want you to create a multi-million dollar um, oxygen scrubbing system, and I want you to do with everything that was in the cockpit. So we built, those folks built, out of a plastic bag, out of duct tape, a part of a flight manual, a sock, another thing, they built a multi-million dollar oxygen scrubbing system that was essential to get the crew home. And if it wasn't for those diverse ideas of saying, hey, what if, what's the possibility if we try this into this, we never would have got those folks home. So, so those are real examples that we're excited now to take those lessons into those companies, like Tom mentioned, and go share that message, get that creativeness going, and really, you can save the day. So, Mike, I, I love your example of Apollo 13. And, and the reason is, is that uh, my oldest daughter, who's now 23, when she was growing up, she was obsessed with everything NASA. And so, I've seen the movie Apollo 13. I think we bought it for her for like her seventh or eighth birthday. I have seen that movie 20 times. And it is still to this day, Jackie's favorite movie ever. And there's not a lot of movies I could watch 20 times, but that scene where they pour all of that stuff on the table and say, mm -hmm. make this happen and you can only use this. To me, that's what NASA is all about. When I think of NASA, I think of that diversity. And, you know, we've seen, you know, like you said, all different types of diversity, but the diversity of thought and the different minds coming together. When I think of NASA, that's what I think of. Is, is, that, is that what most people think of when they think of NASA? Is being able to problem solve? Yeah, well, I tell you, you got a very sharp daughter because um, that's exactly, and that's, and, and that's the part that was mentioned up front with uh, yourself and Liz is, I wish a lot of the folks could see behind the curtain, if you will, and kind of see how the sausage is being made, as they say, mm -hmm. uh, because that is the amazing part. It's, um, you know, if they say, what is the magic of NASA? Um, yeah, the rockets are really cool. The buildings are really big. The, the Trucks are really amazing monsters, but the secret sauce is the people. I mm -hmm. honestly believe that. I, I am so humbled and amazed by the folks. I walk into the firing room. I walk into different meetings. It is such a humbling feeling. I honestly got to mean that. It is a humbling feeling because you are around people that are not only the brightest, the brightest, but the passion, the heart that goes with that. So I say when you, when you take all of the, when you take your lessons and you learn your history, you take your A game, you take that diversity of abil ability to bring all of your, diverse opinions and thoughts to the topic at hand or, or perhaps a problem or to find a solution. When you put all this together, it's almost unbeatable. That is really the cool part. And, and there's so many off conversations that don't get on NASA television or on camera mm -hmm. that we have before launch. And you see the launch and it looks like everything's beautiful and you clap your hands. Well, there's a lot of sweat, blood and tears that happens before that moment. And, and that is just like you said, Tom, that's the magic that happens to get us from starting the countdown or maybe three, four months before to T0 to that moment, the booster's life. Um, that is the amazing part that makes it, um, just makes it amazing. Well, I think there's something to be said for the culture that allows for those diverse opinions and for people to have the ability to say, well, well, wait a minute, 
<laughs> I have something to say here. That isn't common, I think, in our country, in our, in our businesses. It, a lot of places are very structured. Like, you know, there's a chain of command. You got to obey the chain of command and, you know, decisions are made here, not here. Was that a shift for NASA? Was it more hierarchical or is this just a NASA sort of culture thing? It was hard. It's hard to maintain that, to be honest with you. Um, you know, it really is. And if you look at the accident reports, we tell the folks, um, mm. you know, some of the accident reports are very hard hitting. And one of the lines I'll never forget uh, that really hit us right in the stomach after Columbia was that, um, you know, equally a cause of the failure from the mechanical failures was also the management of the processes, which was mean mm. the people part. That was a kick, honestly, right in the stomach to us. Um, but very important for us to hear that it's not just the mechanical parts, but it's the people parts. So, so that's, um, you know, I say we have a lot of extraordinary people, but there's a lot of extraordinary people around the country. There's a lot of people mm -hmm. in amazing fields that do amazing things uh, and young people that will do that one day. So there's no, um, you get out of jail card free, right? And you have this, you don't have any temptations for that because we're people. Um, I, I've often mentioned it when I go out and I speak, I call it the DNA thing. We're all built with that same DNA, right? The astronauts are built with it. We're built it with the folks that have the honor to launch them. Um, and, and everyone else has the same DNA. So we're all built with those amazing um, abilities to do great things. And we're also built with that amazing DNA to, to fall into those traps, you know, mm -hmm. forgetting your past of, of not maybe listening as good as we can, uh, maybe not communicating effectively. So we're, we have the same, you know, both sides of the equation. So what we do is we say, let's be vigilant. Let's keep mm -hmm. learning everything we can. Always bring your A game every single day. Um, you know, be really good at communicating. Build those relationships amongst your teams. So amazing. Build the trust. Build the confidence amongst each other so you can look in each other's eyes and say, I've got your back. Know that they mean it. Know that uh, you mean it to them. And have all those things. And then constantly be vigilant because we have repeated mistakes in the past in NASA as well. And, and that's one thing that I think that um, I'm so honored to be part of NASA in this regard as well is we're sharing these things. These are not easy things to talk about. Uh, it's not always easy to talk about when you've made missteps or mistakes, um, but we feel so impassioned in the agency to share that with people, to realize, hey, we, we're fall prey to this as well, but we want to share those with you, share our experiences, so you can go on and do even better. So that's part of our job is to, to do things for all mankind, right? Um, so that's right. part of our mission in, in going forward, but it, it, it requires vigilance every day. Well, I don't know that we could wrap that even any better than that. <laughs> that was really great. I do have one more question for you, though. When we were talking last week, and I have to look at my notes, because you were talking about how COVID has introduced chaos and change for everybody. <laughs> everybody Globally, yeah. it has introduced chaos and change. And your reaction to that, what you said, was that you're excited about or you, you're really excited about how exciting the new society could be, what's going to happen on the other side of this. Now, I think that that perspective may be because this is what you do. <laughs> <laughs> you're constantly looking at chaos and change and lessons learned from that. As we're going through this chaos and change, personally, any 
any wise words about how we get to that exciting society on the other side? Well, um, I think we're all experiencing a lot of it together, so I'm not sure how wise I am compared to other folks, but I can share this. Um, when you look back again at history, because really, to me, history is the, is the guide map, right? It's the roadmap to the future. I truly believe that, because uh, history does repeat itself, right, in a lot of ways. Um, so when you look at, and, and um, when you look back at the agricultural society, right, how society transformed the Industrial Revolution and how our workplace changed. But we're now we're in the communications information technology age. It's a whole nother jump, right? So we look at how the world changed for the better through industrial. And I see that as the next logical step. And, and this virus and pandemic has kind of taken the world by the shoulders and kind of given us one of these. Um, and, and I see that as very similar to our accidents. You know, when we lost Apollo 1, when we lost Challenger in Columbia, um, we had the same shake, um, that same um, kick in the stomach, if you will. And we had to look at that very, very uh, distinctly and say, what can we take out of this very dark, difficult time? And, and never forget the darkness, never forget the, the hard parts of that. We never should. But what can we do with this? How can we take it and find the ray of sunshine in that? How can we take the loss of, say, Columbia and take the messages of the crew and take the messages of the loss of the vehicle and make our new spacecraft be more successful and our launches more successful and our astronauts more safe? And of course, companies around the country and the world more successful and safe in the mission successful where they did. So we look at this time with the virus and what can be the lessons learned that come out of this that can make us safer for our families. Um, mm. So it's hard sometimes to see when you're in the midst of it. I know after our accidents, it was very hard to see the bright ray of sunshine, if you will. Um, but we try to strive in that because we, we don't want to lose those amazing lessons that could save the day in the future. So, mm -hmm. so we don't disregard the difficulty we're all going through, but we're striving really hard now at NASA to see how can NASA do better? How can our workforce do better in this new world? How can we more, be more efficient, more connected, communicate better? So we're trying to find the, the rays of sunshine, if you will, through this time. And I see other folks doing that. Um, so that's um, part of the excitement of what is to come around that corner? We're always in NASA thinking, what's the next discovery we're going to have? What's the next mission that's going to completely change our view of the world and the universe? Well, think of this. What is around that corner with technology and communicating and perhaps coming closer as people together? What's possible on the next, next corner of this pandemic? where the world becomes even better in a way. So we're excited about that. Well, and, and also with the amount of research that's being done, both on healthcare and everything else, you know, the amount of things that will be discovered. I, I always, you know, have heard that part of our communication and computer age came out of all the research that went into the space race in the 1960s. And so with just the sheer amount of research that's being done on communicable diseases and everything else, I, I can't imagine we don't come out the other side, like you said, and, and find it exciting in some ways. Yeah, I, I truly believe that as well, Tom. There, there's so many sharp people. Um, there's so many sharp people out there. There are young people in college and high school right now. Um, their wheels are probably spinning as we're talking. The next, um, you know, Bill Gates and Zuckerberg's, all these young folks that transformed and, and built new technologies and new ways of looking and thinking of things. I just get excited to think of all these people in elementary school, high school, college, and, and beyond that are just saying, you know what, I'm going to make the world better. I'm going to take this and learn from it. And we're going to have something in six months or a year, Tom, that, that you just spoke of that we can't even imagine today in healthcare and technology or whatever we do that's just going to blow our minds in the future and go, wow, look how incredible this is. So I, I think it's a catalyst for changing. And I'm excited about it too, the, the good positive side. 
So before we let you go, I have sort of an off-the-wall question for you, if that's okay. I'm an off-the-wall kind of guy. Go ahead. Woo! Awesome. So <laughs> we talked about Apollo 13, the, the movie. So having raised a daughter who was so space crazy in her early years, I saw every movie just about ever made about NASA and fake NASAs and space travel and Star Wars and Star Trek and everything else. What's your favorite space movie? Oh, that's a good question. Oh my. You, hit, you saved the hardest one for last. That's right. <laughs> the hardest and, one. And, and if you say space camp, I'm ending this broadcast. <laughs> oh, now you took my answer from me, Tom. Um, oh my God. You know, I'm... I, mean, I, I am a, I do like science fiction. I like the Star Wars movies. I do like that. Um, funny enough, growing up, um, I really liked science fiction over science fiction. I was kind of one of those nerdy guys that would turn on the NASA channel. And I say the nerd with a great embrace of love, right? Because, but, but right. kind of like documentaries, I love to watch the real stuff. I had a harder time with the science fiction because I would start saying, oh, that can't, you can't do that. That's wrong. This is, so I'm a little, I have a hard time sometimes with the science fiction stuff. So I'm going to mm-hmm. say um, any movie that comes, and, and there's, um, there's a great movies on Apollo 11, there's the Apollo 13 movie. Um, there's so many movies. I mean, I could list a hundred of them, right? But I would say um, an honest, an honest, and I appreciate all those for what they do for us. I'm still a sucker personally for the documentaries because there, it's, there's so much. Mm-hmm. The realness, it's, I say it's Madison Avenue's dream. You got the intrigue, you got the drama, you got the excitement you don't really need to embellish it all, right? The, the real stuff is really enough that makes me excited. So there's so many films I've seen of our launch footage and our mission footages that I honestly, um, those are the ones that I really get most excited about because that's the real stuff. Um, but I do appreciate the futuristic kind of science fiction stuff because it does take the message and share it. And it does inspire us to go, hey, you know, what's possible, right? You look back at the 1950s and 60s films and you go, holy mackerel, some of the stuff we do today Right, you know, um, the Dick Tracy and all those things from back in the day. <laughs> uh, that. So I appreciate that as well. Um, so that's, I, I want to give you a direct answer for an exact movie, um, but um, if it has something to do with space, I'm like you. I've probably seen it. Uh, you and I can sit down with a bag of popcorn and just keep putting them in because I'll keep watching them all day long with you too. <laughs> well, may- maybe my daughter will log into the comments and let us know what her favorite space movie is. I love your thoughts. Yes. Yeah. Fantastic. I would highly encourage you once we're all able to go back out in the world to make a visit to Kennedy Space Center. It is an amazing place. And in a world where we need a little bit of hope, it is a extraordinarily hopeful place because you're right the people there are amazing so mike thank you so much for joining us this has been a delight i can also say if you want to learn more about um columbia i have over there on my stack of books bringing columbia home great book and thank you guys for i can't thank you enough for that um the invitation is open we'd love to have you come to the space center um to visit and for all the folks out there in general um, the Kennedy Space Center, we do have a great visitor complex mm-hmm. interface, and you can see a lot of amazing things. You can come down and see a launch. Uh, remember, and I can just if I can close with this, is the space program is everybody's. Um, mm-hmm. I have the honor, and a lot of colleagues might have the honor to um, to be behind the curtain and do what we do and pull levers and, and push buttons and those sorts of things. But um, the space program is everyone's. We want you to know that you, out of your generosity, 
let us do what we do. So we never forget. We want to say thank you for that opportunity. Um, it's our honor. And so come down, be part of it. Um, on Thursday, we're sending a probe to Mars, another Mars, and it's going to have a helicopter on board that's going to fly around Mars. So um, NASA is doing some amazing things. Um, a few days after that, we're going to be landing our first commercial crew back in the ocean from their first mission. Uh, so there's a lot of amazing thing NASA is doing. We're going back to the moon and on to Mars. So you're part of it. Be proud of your nation's space program. And um, there's a lot of cool things upcoming. So stay tuned. Thank you again, Mike. And, and thank you to everybody who tuned in. Uh, mm -hmm. We're having a lot of fun with the webinar talk show and we've got some great guests coming up, don't we, Liz? We do, we do. Uh, and we're going to be programming with the idea of giving you valuable, well, we, uh, we have in the past too, but giving you valuable information from really interesting guests in a format that I think is pretty darn fun. You can find us at webinartalkshow.com or, and like us on Facebook at Webinar Talk Show. We'll be back on Thursday. We'll be talking about the anniversary of the ADA and what that means for organizations and events. See you then, Tom. Always a pleasure. Yep. Mike, thank you very much. Have thank a great you. rest of your day. Thanks, everybody. Thank you for listening to the Making Waves at Sea Level podcast. Without your listening to these in-depth conversations, there would be no show. Connect with Tom at TomSinger.com and follow him on Twitter and Instagram at TomSinger. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.